With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Wild Country Nation. It's time for your Saturday morning wake-up call. Northwest Wild Country is on the air. Welcome to America's number one fishing, hunting, and outdoors radio show. And it's all brought to you by Waypoint Marine Group in Ballard and by Garmin Electronics. Now your Wild Country crew, Dwayne England, and your host, Joel Shangle. So I'm encouraged by the fact that we have power this morning, Mr. England. Yeah, so am I. Driving north on I-5 today past the flashing lights of a accident that I thought was going to delay both of us. Not too bad. But uh, we arrived here in the studio and we have lights, we have sound, so so far so good as the great storm of 2016 approaches to the sound again. <laughs> yes, indeed. Had a little taste of it yesterday, as you know. We lost yep. power, of course. Uh, living out there, it's a pretty common deal. But uh, yep. woke up this morning, everything's back up and running for what, you know, maybe 12 or 14 hours until this big monstrous thing hits us. This is going to be interesting, to say the least. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time over the next two hours talking about uh, local fisheries because, frankly, there's really nothing to be fished over the next handful of days. Uh, you'd mentioned that the, the water's actually dropping right this minute. Yeah, you know, I got yeah. on this morning uh, as I'm cruising down the road and just took a glance, and things have turned uh, somewhere in the evening and have started, you know, slowly sloping downward. Yeah, you just wait. That's all going to come to a grinding halt as they probably exceed more than double what they did yesterday. So we'll uh, spend some time this morning talking to uh, folks over in the 208 area code. Toby White of Real Time Fishing. We have an opener for uh, steelhead retention on the Clearwater River. Uh, as we pointed out a couple weeks ago, the uh, the forecast for the bee runs headed for the Clearwater uh, has been doubled. So yeah. uh, it seems like the catch and release season has been good in recent uh, days and weeks. So so that should be actually a really good opportunity for those of you who live, who live on the other side of the, of the state. Yeah, it's been performing well. They're going to get hit with this storm, too. It'll be interesting to for see sure. in three, four days what their rivers look like and, you know, what the wind and whatnot mm-hmm. is doing over there. Because it always follows suit. It just keeps on moving over. And uh, yep. But for the next couple of days, fishing should be relatively good. And... You know, what the heck, nobody really anticipated a catch mm. and uh, retain season. So mm. the fact that it's more than doubled what the preseason forecast was, those guys are going fishing, and they should have some pretty good pretty good conditions right now. We'll also spend some time this morning talking to uh, Jay Yellis. He is a former Bassmaster Classic champion, FLW Tour, and BASS Angler of the Year. We'll talk to him a little bit about the fall fishery for bass, smallmouth bass on the Willamette River. We'll also talk to Jay about uh, the Solettes. He lives... He lives in Corvallis, and he fishes these Solettes quite a bit, so he's shared some photos of some success stories. The Solettes, of course, we talked with uh, Jack Glass of Hookup Guide Service last week or the week before, last week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that option is, is, is one that's out there when the water drops back in again. In the second hour, we'll spend some time with Larry Phillips, who is the DFW Inland Fisheries Manager. We're going to do a little bit of a wrap-up of the very first, and, I, and I'm, it's safe to say it's going to be the first annual statewide trout derby because because it was met with great success correct oh man yeah uh not just you know with the uh the amount of uh effort i mean we have a whole host of folks that really Mm -hmm. spend their entire spring and summer into early fall you know on the lakes a lot of presence a lot of pressure we'll talk to him about uh, some additional plants that just you know happened and as they gear up for this october november Mm -hmm. opportunity on our lakes that remain open year-round but the number of tagged fish that were caught and retained and turned in 
to uh, claim your prizes was they absolutely blew their mind. So uh, really interesting numbers coming from him. We'll uh, look forward to the remaining options before some of the Lowland Lakes close. But as you pointed out, there are other options that continue into November, including the the Black Friday uh, special opener. So we'll ask Larry a little bit about that. Uh, also in the second hour, we'll spend a good a couple of segments with Scott Haugen. We've had Haugen on the air Oh, it's been three weeks or so. He has been, if you've been on Facebook and you've been attentive to what Scott and Tiffany are doing, he's actually, mm-hmm. they're over in uh, South Dakota at Cabela's this morning doing seminars. But they've had this this ongoing project of a, of a brand new puppy, Kona the Poodle Pointer, who's, the, who's Kona, the second. Yep. And they've had Facebook Live every Saturday for the mm-hmm. past several weeks. Yep. And, and I haven't watched all of them, but I've watched a good number of them. Yeah. Super friendly. Easily accessible, really good information for those of you who are looking to train a gun dog. And Scott is not a dog trainer. No. He's not a professional dog trainer. He's this guy who hunts a lot no. and is and is really well researched. And his his stuff online has been on Facebook Live has just been super cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like you and I talked earlier in the week. You know, Haugen's one of them guys that when he takes on something, he immerses himself into mm-hmm. that. He does all his research, he you know, studies up on it, he has a plan and an approach and he follows through with it in mm-hmm. consistency. And I'm curious to, you know, talk about the granular details on how you get Kona so rapidly to the point where she's already got her first retrieve on a dove a few days ago. It's it's and unbelievable. She is maybe fourteen to sixteen weeks maybe, old. Maybe about I fifteen think, weeks, you I think. know, mm-hmm. somewhere right in there. Yeah. So impressive. You and I, you know, we our knowledge of dog and dog training is pretty limited. So I look at that and go, mm, that's pretty darn impressive. Yeah. Yeah, we'll ask you know. Scott for sort of his advice on on his education process. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, Scott is is a very well educated person and 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 hyper intelligent about all things hunting. Sure, but he obviously has had some sort of a kind of a research pro, uh, process that he has mm-hmm. gone through. So we'll mm-hmm. actually kind of pick his brain. We'll also ask him a little bit about foul weather deer hunting because yep. we do have some folks in the woods this morning, and <laughs> and it's going to be yes, fairly indeed. wild out there. Uh-huh. Todd, Todd Ripley included. Can't wait to follow that. Facebook thread, as a matter of fact. Ripley running and gunning guide That's service. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, let's take a look at the Wild Five for this morning. Um, item one, we could actually probably uh, lump item one and item two under the same roof. Basically, surprise co-openers. Didn't expect them, but, Keep but on coming, as of they? the 16th, mm-hmm. as of tomorrow, we have co-openers on the Puyallup, yep. two-fish limit, mm-hmm. and we have an opener on the Dungeness for a four-fish limit. So right, right. these were not fisheries we expected, uh, lo and behold, as of tomorrow, we can fish for coho in those two systems. I didn't look into the dungeon. Is I mean the 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 Puyallup system up to the mouth of the carbon, so the full length of the the river basically is um, is uh, hatchery tension only. Did you happen to look at the dungeon? Is it uh, both uh, hatchery it's, and or wild? I, I didn't. It's hatchery only. Okay, hatchery, hatchery only. only. So yep. I mean that that right there. Talk about a bumper crop all of a sudden mm-hmm. turn around coming back. They give you a four fish yep. limit, much like you know up north. Some of the rivers they give us a four fish limit, and it's you know two hatchery, two wild. A lot of guys are advocating, hey, release those wilds. Let's you know, let's mm-hmm. just take uh, as many hatchery fish as we can get. The fact that the uh, Voice Creek hatchery already has more than exceeded their numbers for egg take, the amount of fish in the river. Yeah, a lot of guys are going, well, you know, this is great, but why didn't they open it up, you know, several weeks ago? Well, it's a numbers thing. Uh, the fact is, look at the positive side of it. Hey, it's open. When this water drops, more than likely you're going to find an abundance of fish around, including the chum will start coming in. Uh, and as I explained to you earlier in the show, uh, or, or before we started, Shangle, yeah. you know, that thing historically, the Puyallup, when nobody's around fishing in November because there's other things to do, that thing fishes extremely well uh, when it's in shape for uh, for coho, no doubt about it. So we have a, a local close-to-home option that opens tomorrow. We've got one also over on the Dungeness. Two, yep. two pretty yep. good things to look at. Absolutely. Uh, number three, this kind of blends in with us just a little bit, dovetails perfectly. We're going to do a little bit of a sneak peek 
of a deal that you've worked out uh, with Jared Katie of mm-hmm. uh, Get Em Dry Jigs. Uh, yep. We've got sort of a, uh, I, what you call it exactly, a coho jig special, more or less. We sure. don't want to let the whole cat out of the bag. But next week, you want to tune in for a couple different reasons, and we'll talk about another reason in a little bit. But one of them is that you're going to reveal a special, a mm-hmm. show special mm-hmm. with, with Jared Katie. Yep. So uh, his choker series for uh, Twitch and Four, you know, Chinook yeah. and Coho, mm-hmm. uh, that he launched this year and uh, had been working on it the last couple of years, obviously, in the field testing. So uh, now you can get a certain size jig. He's going to put it at a fantastic price. We'll put all that together for you next week, and you'll you'll uh, want to jump in on the screaming deal because when the water drops, shangle, oh man, and the amount of coho, especially out there on our coastal rivers that we've already seen, and what is coming. Yep, uh, those big hatchery fish, um, man, I tell you, really good opportunity coming yes. ahead. Yep. So uh, you know, pay attention. We'll announce that next week, and we're hoping to definitely do a segment with him, cut time to talk about the whole. Concept on jig you you know, switching and you different applications. Absolutely. Hope, mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can get him here in the studio again sometime during the steelhead season as well to, to tie some jigs like we did last year. That was a great oh, yeah. show. Really yeah. good. People really enjoy it, especially when you start giving away free get them dry. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, right. The phone right. just kind of lights up like a tree. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Item number four backcountry hunters and amateur photographers take note. The um, Department of Fish and Wildlife is accepting submissions for the cover of next year's, next season's big game regulations. Now, take a look. I mean, I can picture them in my head right now. I, and I wasn't aware of this. The department has has run contests, and they've they've had themes for the hunting covers. wasn't wasn't aware of this. I mean, oh, okay. it's, it's been it's been women in the outdoors. It's been yeah. hunting camps and so mm-hmm. forth. This year, it's backcountry hunting. So if you're if you're out there in the backwoods uh, and you and you, you capture a good picture, uh, you can submit that for uh, the cover of the 2017-18 big game regulations, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. Yeah, basically uh, send your high-res um, high res photos to photocontest at dfw.wa.gov for consideration. That is, uh, that is for the 2017-18 big game regulations. And item number five, we have an opener today. We have several openers today, but, uh, but including duck season. Mm-hmm. Yep. One guy who is not hunting ducks and, and frankly does not ever hunt ducks hardly on the opener. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Is Robert Strong of Ruckers, Ruckers. Yeah, too, too many fish to catch. I hear you, yeah, bro. I, yeah, no kidding. Not today, yeah, though. Yeah, Mother Nature, uh, she decided that wasn't going to happen today. Yeah, so you should be out chasing ducks, but instead you're talking to us, and we do thank you for that. Yeah, well, Robert, let's take a look at this, though, however. What um, what would folks expect to see over the opening weekend at duck season? Pretty much, uh, we'll talk other side of the hills. I mean, what do you, what do you expect them to look at? Uh, well, I don't know if the whole big migration has made its way down yet. I've been paying attention to the puddles and stuff and haven't seen a, a whole lot of birds. You're probably going to be expecting a lot of local birds. So if you get out there this weekend, you probably have some good opportunity for uh, resident birds. It should be a lot of juvies this year. Um, should be fairly easy to decoy, I would think. Um, you know, and there'll probably be a few more weeks before the main migration comes down. So get them early this weekend because by next weekend they might be pretty tough. Yeah, you know, uneducated birds opening opening weekend is usually a pretty successful opportunity. Unlike uh, last year, you know, we had uh, still drought conditions as we rolled into late October. This year we have water everywhere, so I think it's more of a decision on the hunter's base uh, where, where you're going to establish your, your blind and where you're going to set up your deeks. And, you know, are you going to be in a field or a, a regular pond? Or, you know, one thing about it, obviously, we know, Robert, is the, the water, when we have tons of it, those birds can also... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They'll spread out on you, don't you think? Yeah, they spread out and uh, opportunity, you know, it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. You know, you want 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 the water and, and the, the little pond spot hole fills up, but then, uh, you know, they're, they're scattered all over, especially when you get a, you know, that you've been patterning for the last two weeks. You've got a pond or something that's been full of birds, and then the storm come in and just screwed everything up. So, uh, you know, you just got to go out there and roll the dice and hope, you, uh, hope you're in the right spot. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the calling aspect of it over the next week or so. I mean, first, first time guys have been out for a season, probably going to be fairly aggressive with their calling whether they need to be or not. I mean, so, so you're, you're, a, you're an okay duck caller. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not bad. He's all right. I, I watched a YouTube video. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, good. You I'm go. glad you did that. I'm glad you studied mm-hmm. up. But um, <laughs> give us some advice on, on early season calling. Well, with the wind, um, we're supposed to have, uh, you know, you could probably afford to be a little bit louder, a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, especially when they're out there a ways. Uh, when it comes to duck calling, um, I never want to go completely silent, you know, but I'm not, you know, hitting them as hard as I can the entire time. You know, I, I, I compare it to uh, trying to get a squirrel or something to eat a peanut out of your hand in the park. You know, you're not going to scream at them. You know, you're going to kind of try to entice them to get close to you. And he's going to get a little nervous and he's going to back away, you know, and then you're going to back away. So I'm going to back away with my calling as they get a little nervous. And then I'm going to entice them a little bit more. So you're, you're, you're enticing the birds. You're not calling and screaming at the birds. You know, if you screamed at the squirrel of the park, he's going to take off. So, you know, that's how I kind of uh, imagine I'm, when I'm working birds. And, uh, but if they ever go completely silent, you know, if you ever go completely silent with your duck call and, um, you know, they can lose interest and, and they think something's wrong. Like what just happened? You know, we're hearing all kinds of noise in the water and all of a sudden it got dead quiet. So I'm filling in the gaps with, you know, feed chatter and stuff like that. And, and usually when I'm calling too, I'm not calling directly at the birds. I'm, I'm the, uh, blowing my call at the water or something like that. Cause, uh, ducks have an uncanny ability to pinpoint your location. So, if you're uh, calling directly at them and not only showing them your face and your eyes, but you're uh, you're giving them away your location. Do you think uh, with the amount of water we may have, and you know, I mean, obviously, like you said, you've kind of scoped out your area, or perhaps you got the same old pond or small lake or you know body of water that you go back to year and year uh, out, and uh, now the fields all around you are flooded and stuff. What do I need to do with my decoy spread? Sort of set it up to maximize, you know, them to really take a good look at what's going on. Plus, you know, couple that with the calling. You know, ain't anything special? Do I want to put out a lot more deeks if I have them versus, you know, just a small spread because of all the options where they could, you know, set down based on water everywhere? What's it going to take to draw them in? Well, I'm a strong believer in less is more. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take a, a, a whole heck lot of uh, decoys to get birds if you're in the X, if you're on the right spot. Um, it doesn't take a ton of, of decoys. Um, I always feel like the less reasons you give them to say no, the better. So if, I, if it was me, I would invest in some top quality decoys. You know, I would pick through my decoys and, and uh, pull out the ones that, you know, or maybe need some paint or a little dirty and stuff like that. So less is more. Um, the less reasons they have to um, give them, you know, less reason you give them excuse to say no and, and leave, the better. So I... Uh, definitely proponent of motion in your decoys where you got a jerk string or a mm-hmm. spin and wing decoy you know a pull string spin and wing decoy stuff like that that's a huge uh, advantage i'm not a big fan of gimmicky stuff you know just because that whole less is more philosophy you know the, the gimmicky things and stuff like that like the flying um you know on a stake and stuff like that i i, I think you, you, as close as you can be to realism the better 
Makes so, sense. So let's take a look throughout the course of your season as you prepare for some of your, your Eastern Washington excursions. Uh, let's look forward to goose season, Robert. What do you what do you see in the forecast? I mean, what do you expect for that particular opportunity? Well, the uh, the numbers are up this year. Um, the, the the forecast that they're giving us is you know it had another great nesting year up on the prairie. Um, the amount of birds I saw in Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago when I was up there uh, was pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, last year we had a, a, a good-sized storm early in the year, and it came down early, so I'd like to see that again this year if we can get a big push of birds early. You know, I generally don't start uh, goose hunting until November just because October we just don't have a whole lot of birds in our area. You know, Moses Lake gets a ton early, but in our area in Quincy, we don't start seeing birds until, you know, mid-November. So, um, But, you know, the, the numbers of geese that I saw in Saskatchewan and in Alberta, the numbers I'm hearing, it should be another phenomenal year. Awesome. You're going to have openings uh, coming up then as you jump into November and December? Yeah, November's pretty booked up. Uh, December's wide open. And in uh, January, we've got a couple of dates left. And January is some of our best times where mm-hmm. we're at. You know, everything else is frozen up in Potholes area and the Moses Lake area, and all the birds move to the, to the river. So anywhere you can be close to the river is, is uh, be to your advantage. The, the, the warm air just kind of comes right up the Columbia River from the Pacific, and it you know, within 10 miles of river, it always seems like it's a little bit warmer, and, and it really concentrates the birds. So, Robert, recently uh, you completed a, a calling course uh, at a new facility that, uh, that Troy Taylor has just opened, and, and, and frankly, we're, we're sort of kind of expecting a little bit of the same next Saturday because you've agreed to come in and sit in the studio, which we're, we're super excited about. Hopefully Troy can make it as well. But the education of, of duck callers is one that I think you've, you've been involved in for, for a handful of years, correct? Yeah, yeah. Troy's been uh, teaching his calling class for, uh, oh, I think close to 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, I, he taught me a lot and taught me how to, uh, you know, run a call really well. So he, uh, I joined him helping him teach his duck calling classes probably about 10 years ago. We've been bouncing around, holding at different stores and stuff like that. And Troy just built a big new shop down in his place. And uh, so now we have a uh, you know, a permanent venue, which uh, will be good for the guys. They, they know where it's at, know where to find us. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, Duck Calling University, and we'll have updates for any upcoming classes. Um, now the hunting season, we're probably not going to have any here recently or coming up just because we're going to be busy guiding. But, uh, you know, go to our website, ruckusoutfitters.com. There's links to our Facebook page there, too, that you can kind of keep updated on uh, when our upcoming calling classes are. And let's remind folks of the pedigree of exactly what Troy Taylor does and yeah. what he has done over the course of the years. I mean, one of one of the most talented call builders in the entire world correct oh yeah easily the top five in the world uh, the artwork that he's doing on these calls now i mean not only are they phenomenal running calls but the artwork that he's putting on these calls now is unbelievable the raised panels checkering and stuff like that it's you know some of the best in the world and the materials that he's using you know the top notch and and uh the, the calls that he's building they're just, they're phenomenal <laughs> yeah even Robert gets excited. Yeah, I know, huh? can't even say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. log on to. Yeah, triple... he built me a new, he built me a new competition call that is probably without a doubt the best call I've ever played. Nice. So I'm I'm pretty excited about uh, Stuttgart this year, and I feel confident in the call I'm running, and and uh, pretty stoked. Well, we're uh, we're excited for the opportunity to have you sit in on the show. It's uh, it's something we're looking forward to. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think we'll probably end up hearing the uh, start to finish of his uh, Absolutely. practice. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you betcha. Yeah. yeah. Kind of what the callers have to do when they come in studio. That is uh, Robert Strong <laughs> of Ruckus Outfitters. Log on to www.ruckusoutfitters.com. You can give him a call at 206-714-0178. Oh, by the way, what's what's your fishing schedule, Robert? What do you, what do you have going on the next uh, month or so? Well, I've co and uh, hopefully some chums will be coming in here pretty quick. So uh, as soon as I, I live right on the Puyallup River, so as soon as that drops in, I might be out there swinging flies for for some coho too. So you know, maybe a big old chum will grab a hold of it. So I'm pretty stoked about that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, Brad. Appreciate it, man. We'll catch up to you again. See you next week. All right. Talk to you later, guys. See you, man. Bye. Yep. Never, uh, right. never a lack of things for him to do. He's mm. pretty busy. So our own personal in-house duck calling university here next Saturday, Northwest Wild Country, mm-hmm. Robert Strong of Ruckus Outfitters, who who is the the now defending Washington State duck calling champion. Correct. Uh, he'll represent uh, the um, uh, the state of Washington back in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Here, I think that comes up here in the next month or so. It's if I don't, t- yeah. if I don't forget. Yeah. Not too. Anyway, yeah. anyways, we'll have a, a fairly heavy waterfowl focus. Next Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, you, if you're a hunter, if you're a duck hunter specifically, you definitely don't want to miss it because I, I hope that Troy gets to come into this because he's – we had him on the show. It's been 10, 12 years ago. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. But but Troy, formerly of Taylor Talkers, Troy Taylor, really, really well-recognized uh, uh, call builder. I mean, it's it's just – his stuff is amazing. Yeah, it so is. Good. I have some of his calls. Uh, Robert gave me some last yeah. – a couple of years ago when I went up north and they were up there with uh, Travis and they were doing the, the, the schooling up there and got out and hunted for a couple of days. Of course, the hunting was absolutely horrible. But it's all based on weather and timing, yep. you know. So, um, man, hunting should start off actually pretty doggone good today. I'll be curious. You know, you know there's going to be a lot of – a lot of death and destruction on on social media. Absolutely, in the coming hours. I'm lots sure, of, and lots of feathered things and furry things on the ground. For I'm sure. thinking if you're out this morning, you know that storm's really yeah. not going to hit till tonight. We're talking six or seven p.m. I think the daytime here is going to actually be very productive. I think it will for too. Both, you know, in both in deer and uh, and, and, and waterfowl yep. for sure. So I, I fully expect to see some uh, successful deer hunts. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, you know, they're not going to be laying down. They're going to get up and move around this morning, and get eating. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to some destruction. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll reach out into the uh, other side of the state. We'll get a little bit of a look of the Clearwater River. We have a, uh, a retention opener this weekend. We've got uh, lots of fish, supposedly, in the river. Got some weather headed their way, but yeah. we'll get that report from Toby White right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle's Sports Radio 950 KJR. Six twenty-seven Saturday morning here on Sports Radio nine fifty KJR and on Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. And if you're listening around the country on the iHeartRadio app, the uh, text tool is fully functional. Drop us a text. You have any thoughts, ideas? If you're out there in the duck blind and you have a successful report to text in, text to four nine four five one. If you have questions, join in the conversation. Everyone here is welcome. You know, I actually would encourage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
encourage someone to call from the duck blind as well be because yeah. uh, right before you know your buddies are going to fire off as the ducks are coming in let's uh <laughs> let's capture that those are some of my favorite segments that makes for fantastic Absolutely radio good man. stuff oh yeah so we have some weather here in western washington and it will proceed east over the mountains it will eventually arrive in the uh, Clearwater River area, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious how that will affect, potentially affect the fishing on the Clearwater. Of course, we have uh, the steelhead retention opener uh, above Lewiston, so we have uh, some opportunities for for bee runs. As we pointed out a couple weeks ago, Dwayne, um, the uh, the hatchery component of that uh, that run seems to be a lot stronger than originally anticipated. Oh yeah, absolutely, like more than double. So. Guys like uh, Toby White, who we're going to talk to next, got to be pretty excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so Toby, uh, real-time fishing. Kind of curious about uh, your expectations as we head into this uh, this catch-and-keep catch and keep season. What's uh, what's the clear water looking like as far as numbers of fish? Well, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, I said it's the largest run since uh, 2010. And um, so that equates for a pretty good one. And, uh, yeah, like Dwayne said, uh, it's been all catch and release for us, uh, up till today. And, uh, it's been 85% hatchery fish, maybe more like 90. Um, and I've never seen that before ever in my 25 years of guiding around here. Um, that's the strongest hatchery crop I've ever seen, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's uh, those are great numbers as you roll right into the opener today for retention. I mean, uh, and it sounds like you guys and Carter and a handful of other guys over there that you know are fishing on a regular basis have been have been uh, actually finding good numbers of fish um, and uh, healthy fish too, a pretty decent size. Yeah, yeah, you know um, the best part about the Clearwater is you know the average size we average ten twelve pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a few fish, you know, over 20, but very, very few. Uh, when I was a kid and when I first started, we had lots of those fish, but uh, as the years have went on, they're kind of they're gone now. Um, but we still have a great average size. All almost every single fish is, you know, 10, 12 pound average. Our biggest, usually our big ones of the year will touch, you know, 18. Once, you know couple couple times in the year we'll we'll get a 20 pounder but uh it's hard to find a spot anywhere where you can go and catch as many 10 and 12 pounders all day long as we do here well and that's a significant uh improvement over nearby fisheries the, the i mean the, oh, the main stem of the snake river mm-hmm. is 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 nowhere near that the grand ron no, nowhere nowhere no, in that area no will you catch you know 10 to 12 pounders with any regularity and, and toby you guys catch more you know you know 13 14 15 pounders than fr- frankly probably than we catch over on this side yeah yeah, yeah, we uh we do. We catch a lot of them. I mean, uh yeah. Um Yeah, it's uh, uh it's like every fish is a good one. There's not very many small, especially this year. I've only I was out a couple of days ago, had an exceptional day, caught 20 steelhead, and I only had probably four or five of those fish that were under 10 pounds. Those are some that that's some impressive statistics right there. I mean, and like Toby keeps emphasizing the average size, the average size. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you really start thinking about that compared to other steelhead fishery shangle, I mean, that is impressive to it have is. that many. Yep. You know, I, when when guys over here talk about early hatchery return and it's uh, you know pretty much cookie cutter, you know, six eight pounder. I mean, that's what we're literally mm-hmm. talking about. Sure. But 
Now we're talking, you know, 12, 14-pound average. That's impressive. So how do we go uh, How do we go about getting them, Toby? I know you guys do a lot of side drifting over there and uh, you use a lot of eggs or, you know, yarnies with scent and whatnot. So anything uh, anything changed up? Pretty much standard, same routine as always and uh, seems to be productive. Uh, you know, when the water's uh, higher, uh, let's say uh, over 4,000 CFS, uh, it's, it's pretty much a side drifting show. And then, um, you know, when it's under 4,000 CFS, um, a lot of the other techniques come into play. In fact, uh, when it gets really low and really clear, um, I like to, uh, you know, back troll maglip and, uh, and fish bobbers. Uh, the side drifting, when it gets really low, it, it's not near as effective. But we're rising water right now. In fact, by like Tuesday, it's supposed to be way up there, almost flood stage. So we, I don't know how much fishing I'll get done next week. But, um, yeah, right now it's, uh, it's a good level for side drifting right now, and that's what we're going to be doing all weekend. Toby, let's break down the geography of this fishery just a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's you know it's one that um, that is very well known as a bank fishery as well. But let's kind of kind of run through like like if you're gonna if you're gonna head over. I mean, guys over here unfamiliar with the clear water, not sure exactly what to look for, where to go. Like how how would you define that for somebody who's looking for places to, to fish? Well, there's a road on both sides of the river from Lewiston to Orfino, and um, and there's bank spots everywhere. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very, very, very accessible river, and that's where the most major most of these fish this year are uh, are headed to the the Dorshack hatchery there in Orfino. So you'd want to target between Lewiston and Orfino um, uh, for sure, and uh, you could just drive up Highway 12, and there's a bazillion pullouts where you can bank fish. And then if you cross any of the bridges, there's another road down the other side and, uh, there's more spots. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a very accessible river for sure. How about the guys uh, that want to drag their drift boats over there from the, from the West side of Washington over here? Uh, if I'm going to come over there and, you know, do the drift boat drill, what's, uh, what's my best alternative? I mean, side drifting, if you want to do a long float, Obviously, just keep moving. It can be effective, but uh, I want to I slow it down a little. So, you know, pulling plugs, back balancing, uh, some different options. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's tons of boat ramps. Uh, you know, they basically strategically place these boat ramps to uh, for for the drift boat, mm-hmm. for sure. And you got, uh, you know, a lot of these ramps are located, you know, where you can put in and, and float down to the next ramp, you know, uh, and it makes for a good day. You don't have, don't have to skip any water. You can just kind of meander along. But uh, yeah, if you can bring any type of boat over, you want to be prepared to do all techniques. Um, but <clears throat> you can look at the USGS sites, and if it's over about four thousand, side drifting is your best option. Gotcha. While we're talking about the subject of water levels, Toby, so next week is going to be pretty tough. What will it need to drop down to again before it before it's safely fishable? Uh, uh, my favorite levels is between three and 5,000. That's where I, I like it the best. Um, well, you know, we, it's both predicted to get to 17 next week. And, uh, usually they're pretty spot on with their predictions. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll just, uh, 
I don't know, you know, how much the next week we'll get a fish if it really gets that high. But if it doesn't get muddy, we'll probably fish right through it. But if you're in a drift boat, you don't want to come over here. If it if it's over over five thousand, I would su- suggest to stay home. Yeah, that's you got a good. Power point. boat. Yep. Power boat though, it's still doable. You can log on to triple w dot dot com. Toby runs a handful of guides over there. You can also give him a call at two zero eight seven nine zero twenty one. 28. Toby, thank you very much for the information. Good luck this morning. We'll catch up again soon. All right, thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, so the Clearwater River. Yeah, Cool River. Yeah, well, it's a big river. Yeah. You know, it really is. I mean, even at uh, 2,500, 3,000, it still looks like a big river, you know. and um, But then, guys, got to be careful when you're running power boats, like Toby's uh, describing, because there's some stuff that'll get you. There's a few boats that seem to get piled up over there every year. That is the case. As he points out, uh, very uh, very flush with opportunities if you're a bank guy as oh, well. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, not, it's not just the the you know the handful of rocks below the hatchery. I would imagine there's going to be a pretty fair crowd there this morning. I would think so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's times like these over here where we're going to be sitting on the shoreline for, you know, maybe yeah. upwards of 10 days. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, maybe I should just hook the boat up and head over there and crash at Albrecht's basement and fish for a couple not a, of days. That's not know? a bad plan. I mean, plan, there's right? options. Yeah. It's only... Six hours away, yeah. you know, to get over to Lewiston. So it's yeah. not bad. Uh, 10 to 12 pounders, fairly average there. I mean, that's just, just, there's really nowhere else you can go for that. Well, and you're thinking, oh, man, you know, them fish are 465 miles from the salt. But I tell you what, you know, as, as Bill would always, uh, you know, allude to, the genetics are an amazing yeah. thing. And these are hatchery fish. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, I've had several. Oh, they pull. On light spinning Plenty rods. Hard. Yeah, they Plenty kick hard. your ass. They, they'll, make your, they'll make your arm tired if you get a good, you know, 16, 18-pounder on one of them side-drifting rods. It is a battle. Uh, Toby is the guy to call if you want to hook up over there, 208-790-2128. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hook up with a former Bassmaster Classic champion, Jay Ellis, get a little bit of a preview of how the Willamette River will fish once it drops back into shape. Also get a little bit of a look at the Siletz River. Of course, the text line is open, 49451. You can give us a call at 206-286-9595. We'll be right back right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. We are 643 here on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Comcast Sportsnet Northwest. Uh, the text tool is open. Dwayne, we're about a uh, little over a month away from the start of Steelhead Nation. You believe that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming up quick. So... Uh, Folks out there in Wild Country Nation, we'd like to hear from you. We're kind of starting to put together our plan for uh, for the nation 2016-17. Oh, yes, we uh, are. Drop us a text if you have some ideas about the subjects you'd like us to cover mm-hmm. in that 13-week, actually, I'm sorry, 14-week period. Yeah. Starting the end of November, we'll continue through the month of February, but uh, still a nation quickly approaching. We've been doing this thing for five years now, I want to say. Yeah. And you know, uh, tr- trust me, we need some suggestions. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, this season is almost... A repeat of last year without all the high water. Right. And all the, yep. you know, inability mm-hmm. to be on the water fishing. Correct. And if that's the case, man, it's going to be a phenomenal year. So technique points, you know, the how-tos, the pro cams, the in-studio guests, mm-hmm. the conversations with said guide or outfitter, all those things. I mean, whatever you want us to, you know, what road you want us to walk down and what you want us to bring back up and revisit and help educate. Throw us that information. We'll tie all that in somewhere. All you have to do is uh, send a text to 49451. We will we will take your uh, suggestions into consideration. Uh, so earlier this week, uh, Chris and I got to, to run down to the Willamette River, spend uh, the day on the water with a gentleman by the name of Jay Yellis. Now, Jay is a uh, 
He had the year of years back in 2002-2003, I want to say. Uh, Bassmaster Classic, FLW Tour Angler of the Year, um, Elite Series Angler of the Year. Uh, Jay, that was a that was a pretty good couple of years for you, wouldn't you say? Hey, good morning, Joel. Yeah, it sure was. It was. Uh, I've been a pro bass fisherman for 29 years, and that was that was certainly the the peak years for me. It was a lot of fun. Let's talk, however, a little bit about your sort of your 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 current affliction, which is uh, the Solets River. Now, before we had a chance to to spend the day on the water with you, you were you were pretty much on the Solets most days that you could that you managed to get out there. What uh, what were the conditions before things kind of went sideways? We had three beautiful days early in the week last week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Well, you were down here on Wednesday, and we spent that day together. But, um, yeah, the you know, the river was in perfect shape. It was some of the best fishing of the year. And it's, you know, early October is prime time in the northwest for, for Chinook. And, and the fish, you know, we'd had a little rain the week before, and they were moving up river, and they were actually catchable from the mouth down, you know, at the bar all the way up to – uh, you know, way, way above tidewater, and there were bright fish throughout the whole system, and so it was pretty fun. But yeah, we had a we had a good time. But that's you're right. I've been I love my salmon and steelhead too. Even though I've made a living bass fishing all these years, that's what I love about the Northwest. You've got such a wide variety of great fishing. Jay, what is your uh, what is your go to? What's your favorite way to target Chinook in the Solets River? Oh, probably a bobber, and you know. It, eggs in the sand shrimp but we'll we catch them back bouncing a lot too and mm-hmm. and uh yeah there's a lot of different ways to catch them i mean those are that's probably the you know my favorite go-to way when i take the folks out but we'll um there's you get them on plugs and trolling and you can we catch a lot of coho in the last few years with those twitching jigs that's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun getting that that bite going and but those numbers are down a little bit this year. But that I heard some friends of mine up in Washington told me about that twitching jig bite a couple of years ago. And we, well, we started doing it, man. They just those coho just love that. And we catch a few chinook too. But it reminds me a lot about of uh, hair jig fishing in you know on the bass tour and uh, and those and we fish it very similar to a hair a big hair jig and and they just loved it. So it's it's fun. It's there's. It's just a lot of, a lot of good times. I just love going out with my family or my friends and just having a big time. It's more, a lot more relaxing to me than tournament fishing. It's all about having <laughs> oh, fun. Uh, tournament yeah. fishing's your job, man. Yeah, so yeah. Be, yeah. Let's uh, let's transition into that. So the Willamette River is uh, is a uh, is one of those rivers that um, that I don't think enough people understand. Just the qual. I mean, basically, the ability to catch a lot of smallmouth bass. I mean, it is it is such a good river for a lot of different things. But as far as as far as just your your chance to go down and catch. You know, a whole bunch of smallmouth. The Willamette is really hard to beat, and this time of year specifically, Jay, is is one of the very best in the entire year. It is. October is probably one of the peak months, you know, other than April and May. But it's yeah, every October, and, and there's some largemouth in there too. The lar- the Willamette is largely underutilized. There's just not that many people fish it, um, and, and there's a ton of bass in there. I mean, it doesn't have a the, the fish are bigger in the Columbia, but there's just a lot of smallmouth and and a you know a fair number of largemouth in there as well and it's it's a lot of fun it's i think part of the reason they don't fish it much in the summer is that you you really need a jet to get around out there as we as, as we discovered. as we found uh, out yeah yeah and and so a lot of the bass fishermen don't have jets you know they just don't on their bass boats so 
So they tend to go places where it's a, the bloating isn't quite as hazardous as, as that in the summer. But when the water's up, you know, in the spring or, you know, from now on, we'll have the water be up. You can get around fine with a, with a prop out there and, and catch a lot of fish. So it's a, it's a great little fishery and it's just a beautiful place to spend the day in the, in the fall of the year. Jay, what, uh, what makes October so good? You know, what, what triggers on these uh, smallies and that Willamette that gets them cranked up oh. and you can have some really good days out there? Well, the water temps getting down into the fifties, Yeah, you know, and, and in the summer, I, we, no matter where I've ever been, whether it's the Great Lakes or back you know, on the East Coast or wherever, just catching smallmouth and current in the hot summertime is just really, really a lot tougher than it is once the, when the water cools down in the, in the spring or fall. And I, those fish live deep in the current, and they're really, it's just really hard for most people to present lures properly in deep current situations. And so... Um, you know, in the fall, they they move back up. There's fish are, you know, they're like <clears throat> seven foot or less right now out there on that river, and and they're easy to easy to catch. They're just up on little points and current eddies and stuff, and and that's more than anything. That's what it is. I think they've come up out of the you know, the deeper current, and they're right up there where you can catch them on the bank, and then that that'll last till about oh another two or three weeks and usually by you know the first week of november things st- the river starts getting up high dirty and and uh things kind of go south but boy it's rivers you know rivers are typically all over the country they're kind of a, a feast or famine fishery compared to lakes i mean lakes you can pretty much catch some fish every day of the year but in rivers are either can be really good or really bad if the conditions are poor for bass yeah and right you know in october the just conditions are really good and the fishing is is it's phenomenal you know in the fall so yeah it's a it's a good place you know in the, the river level steady now all this rain it's probably going to be on i know it'll be on the rise but actually the willamette fish is good for bass when it's on the rise as long as it's not blown out they'll uh I've always found it to actually fish better on a slow rise than it than it does when it's falling. So, for bass, Jay, let's uh, let's talk about a handful of of baits and techniques that you would utilize uh, for the next couple of weeks. I mean, kind of run us through maybe your top two or three. Oh well, yeah one one go to bait that's always great out there is uh, just uh, like a Yamamoto Slim Senko, uh, four inch green pumpkin on about an eight ounce. Texas rig and um, no, we normally a drop shot would be a go-to bait, but where the smallmouth live on the Willamette, it's just way too rocky. Drop shots hang up like almost every cast, and so we 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 like going with that that slim senko and like an eighth ounce bullet weight, just Texas rig it, and uh, with a zone lock hook and just fishing it shallow right up in the in the rocks. The smallies they love the rocks and you got to be around the rocks and and then uh probably a number my second one would be a little crankbait they if you go out and crank down the river in october you can catch a lot of fish on a on a um on a like a medium diving smallish type crankbait um that would be you know a crawdad or or like a shad pattern those those two baits are um Probably, probably what I would say would be the the two best ways to go. You can catch some, you know, on a swim bait or a top water bait, or um, but but the top water bait it, 
bite is kind of diminishing this time of year. So it's it's uh, the soft plastics is really how you're going to get get to most bites. But you'll get a good one on that on a plug. You know, I mean, it's a good way to good way to catch them in the fall of the year. It doesn't get much more simple than a uh, than a senko on a in a bullet weight, does it? No, and it doesn't get much more effective than yep, that either. Yep, that that is the case. That's uh, Jay Yellis. Uh, log on to www.castforkids.org. Day, uh, Jay is the executive director of that particular organization, which has actually been started up here in Seattle. Uh, Jay, thank you very much for uh, the time this morning. Appreciate the time to spend with you earlier this week as well. Um, we'll catch up again real soon. Absolutely. You guys have a good one. Thank you. All right, you. thanks, you did Jay. The same, Jay. Take it easy. Bye. You know, Shangle, I honestly believe in all the years I've been doing this show with you, that is the first time we've talked to not just a a bass fisherman, but, you know, a, a champion. Yeah. Who's not afraid to uh, get egg goo on his hand. He's a, he's a rare creature. So here's the funny thing about Jay. He originally grew up, I want to say he grew up in Southern California, of all places. Oh. Uh, went to school in Corvallis, just randomly. Moved to Texas. Yeah. And went back and kind of dominated there for a few years, then moved back to Corvallis because he loves the salmon and steelhead fish so much. Sure. Pretty crazy. Well, I wanna I wanted to kind of break down the uh, the comparables that yeah. he is yep. as far as approach on uh, using similar same lures, much like twitching yep. for yep. coho. And I want to talk to him about the take, the pickup of said jig, because they don't always just whack it. Yeah, I am. I honestly believe uh, what I've ex- I've experienced this year is I'm feeling fish, pick it up and spit it out before I can get a hook into them, because it's exactly what it feels like. When I've gone bass fishing and yeah. you had that real quick, yeah. you know, they pick it up, spit it out, and I'm, I'm kind of man. That just feels so similar. Same. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. We'll here. we'll bring him on again. We'll yeah. talk about that sometime. There's got to be some comparables there that cross yeah. over, and maybe some technique points yep. he may have when you're you know finessing those lures in around. For sure, stuff. for sure. Yeah. Yep, yep. Let's take a quick break. When we come back ahead of us an hour or two, we'll look at the inland opportunities for the month of uh, the second half of October and for November, and also we'll do a little bit of duck. Uh, sorry, dog training. Duck, duck training. Duck. We try dog. to train. Yeah, <laughs> duck dog training yeah. with Scott Haugen on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports Net Northwest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.